Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. This series really legacy is about eternity. And really that's what matters in life is what are we doing for the future? Here's why. I've never wanted to get to heaven and regret my time on earth. I don't know if you've ever thought that, but eternity's a long time to wish you hadn't done something you should have, could have, would have hoped to. And, and I've had this thing stirring in me, even before I was a pastor. I just, as long as I followed Christ, I like, God, I don't wanna miss what you wanna do in my life on this earth. Because here's what Scripture says, what we do on this earth will have an impact on eternity. Now, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. We don't earn that. God saves us. But actually what we do, the Bible teaches, has an impact in eternity. There are crowns and there are mansions. There's all this good stuff that God has for us. And so I don't want us as a church not to miss wrestling with these big questions of life, eternity, obedience. And that's what legacy is. My goal for legacy is draw us closer to God, but also build the church. Draw us closer to God and build the church. Draw us closer to God and build the church. And we draw closer to God when we value what God values. And this whole concept of legacy and generosity is about God and others, that our focus is off ourselves and our focus can be on God. What what are you saying? What are you leading? How how can I help and serve others? Let's go to Proverbs 11.24. The world of the generous gets what? Gets bigger and bigger, larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Are you known as a generous person? Or are you known as a little stingy? Uh, Are you paying for the coffee? Are you taking an extra muesli bar to work? Are you packing your lunch and thinking, oh, I might take an extra uh, caramello bear or or, or an an extra little snack to to pass around? I love those generous people who have those extra mints on the front and the row of the church. And and not only do they open, and you can hear them open the mints or the the lollies, um, but they start sharing those. I want to be in that row. Forget the front row. I want to be with a lolly row is. You know how some mums have this uh, bag that is bottomless and in it is like a three-course meal. It's got Panadol, Band-Aids, Nurofen, like it's, it's, it's got your passport. It's, it's everything in there. I want to know who they are and sit next to them. And, and I want to get those lollies. Who's got some lollies on them? Where are the lollies in the house? Who's got the lollies? I love the lolly person. We we want to be known as as a people who's generous. Um, Why is that? Because that's the nature of God that wants to serve and benefit others. See, small people live for themselves and their world becomes small. See, what happens is when big people live for others, it draws them closer to God. When big people sort of think about other people, their world gets bigger because there's more people in their life, but they actually draw closer to God because they see their lives as about serving the Father's house. They see their lives as about the Father's business, not just about their success or their personal uh, wins. Rick Warren says this, God never made a person He didn't love. 
He never made a person. He didn't want to find the true and abundant life their hearts are longing for. The life of Christ died to give them. People matter. Every person matters. Every person matters to God and every person should matter to us. And that's what generosity does. It causes us to have this grace, compassion and love for others. Not based on what they do, but it's an unconditional. It's a, it's a driving force in our heart to be thoughtful, to be caring, to be others focused. Proverbs continues on in verse 25. The one who blesses others, here's this, this dichotomy of Christianity. This is just doesn't make sense mentally. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. How on earth can you be blessed by blessing others? How can you be better off by giving stuff away? Because when we give away, God gives us more. This is the economy of heaven. It's not limited by what we have. We're attached to the God of the universe whose resources are unlimited. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible says. And as we start to be generous and love and give out, God simply gives us more, more capacity, more ability, more resources to bless others. Now, I do not believe in the prosperity doctrine or the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel says when you give God, you'll get more back. When you give $100, you'll get $110 back. When you give $100, you, you get $1,000 back. I do not believe we twist God's arm for our benefit. I, 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 don't, I don't believe that God is, is forced to, to fulfill our selfish, personal, uh, carnal de, de, uh, desires. I do believe absolutely in the supernatural blessing of God that He can pour His favour out supernaturally to bless His kingdom, which is other people. And so although we don't believe in the prosperity doctrine at elevation, we do believe in the supernatural power of God to bless and, and to move through our lives, that we become a conduit, that we have access to all that is in heaven to release through us into others. When we see money for what it is, it's a powerful tool that can be used for God's kingdom. It's a powerful tool to expand God's kingdom. It's neutral. Money has no power in itself except what we give it. It is a powerful tool that God can use to see lives changed. And so when we sow into the church financially, we're sowing into our future, but we're also sowing into our family's future. We're also sowing into the future of our community and those around us. So before I was a pastor, I was a builder. And it was 35 that I jumped into pastoring. But before that, I, I was a builder and worked hard and loved building. And Bonnie and I have always tithed, as I shared last week. It's always been something we've always done. But as a builder, I kind of saw um, that God was my partner. And so when I went out and established my own company and started profit sharing and, and uh, making money above my wages, I said to God, okay, I see you as my partner I'm going to give you 50% of my net income. Now, now, this isn't scriptural. This is just something God was stirring me to do. I felt I was there to fund the kingdom. And so I, I would just, whatever that uh, 
product or that uh, project made, uh, 50% of the net, that's after all the wages are paid and taxes and everything's done. Whatever's left, I would give half to the church. And I loved it. And what it did, it drew me closer to God. Here's why. I kind of felt I was representing God as my partner. And so, man, I better have integrity. I better say what I do. Uh, I better ask Him for His uh, advice. Uh, he's, we're in the boardroom together. Where I would pray every morning, God, show me. God, lead me. God, God be my partner. And it drew me close. It carried me for years in a very difficult, ungodly industry uh, to keep my heart centred on the things of God. And it wasn't just the money that was given away. It actually shifted my heart because who knows your heart follows your finances. And it really helped me stay on track. And I want to share one little story. Uh, it first started when I was 28. I um, was, was profit sharing. I was actually um, an employee, but I, I moved up and became a partner and I profit shared. And so this was the first year I was getting some money over and above my wages and it was $20,000. Now, it doesn't sound like much, but back in uh, 98, petrol was 55 cents. So it felt like a lot of money. And I, I said, okay, God, you know, well, let's do our deal. It's the first time, half's yours. So I gave half, half uh, to the church. Well, at that time, we were in a little church, Bonnie and I, and they were looking for a building uh, project. And so I gave the money. And next thing, you know, the pastor gives me a call. Hey, thanks very much. Uh, uh, we had a lunch and, and we got talking. And, um, you know, I, I started to hear his dream of, of having a place. I said, well, I'm a builder. I'll, I'll help you out. Well, we couldn't afford a, a big building. Uh, but what we could afford was just a bit of real estate. So I said, okay, here's the deal. I'll, well, let's take that 10K and, and, and I'll actually also build a, a little office complex for you. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can get in the market and, and, and build a, a footprint of, of, of some, fine, of some uh, real estate state and so sure enough, we, we, I built that building for them and they kept it and he loved it. He was officing in there and uh, we did some counselling in there and I, it just drew me closer to the church and my heart closer to God. It was a real special time for us. Well, years later, they, that, that uh, property went up in value and they sold it and bought something else and then they sold it and bought a church in the end. And uh, I want to show you the photo of the church that they bought out of that little offering that, that, that I gave. Um, it's a church with, with a couple of hundred people. I think they had 220 people on, on Sunday. It's a beautiful facility and it's, uh, it's theirs. They own it and uh, people are getting saved and God's moving. Well, I want to show you the outside of the church. So that's our Elevation Cairns property. Isn't that remarkable? And I don't say that to brag, but I say, what, could, what can God do through a little 28-year-old kid who didn't know what he was doing, but said, I'll just partner with God. Uh, this is part of our Elevation family. We have six locations, and Luke and Nikki are the leaders on that. And so that legacy that now, as I stepped in as lead pastor of Elevation, it's actually uh, one of our assets. It's one of our churches. I mean, how bizarre is God that you sow into your future? You don't know how God's going to use that for His glory. And all of a sudden, I get to be part of, of seeing this great congregation grow. Let's have a look in Haggai 1 verse 3. Then the Lord sent a message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? And this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what is happening to you. You've planted much but harvest little. You eat but you're not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. 
That was me this morning. You, 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 your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. What, what's happening here? Well, Israel had re- returned back home to Jerusalem after captivity in Babylon. But it was the, host- it was the opposition of the hostile neighbours that had caused the Israelites to get discouraged and neglect the temple. And in neglecting the temple, they were actually neglecting God. And as a result, they ended up living for themselves, but they couldn't win financially. The more they tried, the harder they worked, the less successful they were because God wasn't in order in their life. God needs to be first. And because God wasn't first in their finances, they were looking themselves uh, to provide rather than God. They neglected and forgot about the temple. They struggled. And maybe today, through discouragement or distraction, you've stopped giving financially the way you should, the way God wants you to. Maybe you've been hurt from a church. Maybe church has misappropriated funds in the past and, and you're holding back. Maybe the opposition is fear of inflation and raising interest rates has caused you to hold instead of be obedient. So what does Haggai tell the Israelites to do? Verse 8, Now go up into the hills and bring down timber and rebuild the house. I will take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. He tells them to go to work (laughs) and build the church. We're not going to cut some lumber down because there's none left in the hills. It's all been cut down. It's all been concreted. But uh, what we are going to do is be financially obedient to what God is asking you to do. I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm not here to tell you, but I am here to say, put God first and seek Him and don't neglect the temple. Maybe um, you've forgotten that you're here to build the church. Maybe you've forgotten that your role is to expand God's kingdom through the local church. Maybe you didn't realise that you're part of something special that God is doing in our hills elevation. I want to remind you and invite you on this journey. Let's build this church. Let's see people saved. Let's grow closer to God. There's a lot of media around about the local church at the moment. It's the bride of Christ. He still loves it. It's His chosen vessel to pour out His Spirit, His glory on this earth. And we will love His bride, even though it has us in it. And we're dysfunctional and we're failed. Uh, He's still chosen for whatever reason to extend His kingdom through this local church. As the band comes back up, because we're going to sing this song in a moment that I've asked them to sing, Haggai 2.9 shares what's going to happen as we look forward. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. Come on, someone get excited about that. The future is bigger than the past, says the Lord of heaven's armies. We've had some great moves of God over the years. It's, it's the, the best is yet to come. Revival, soul saved like never before. And in this place, I'll bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. 
I'd love us all to stand right now and we're just going to sing a moment before we continue on with God's Word. We're going to sing this song, God of Revival. And we're going to boldly declare it that our God is moving, that He is pouring His Spirit out, that we're part of a church where we're hungry and we're desperate for a move of God. It's not about a name or a denomination or a personality or a style. It's about God moving, building His church through His power, through His Spirit, pouring His glory out Father, would you bring revival in this place in Jesus' name? Come awaken your people. Come awaken the city. Who oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh God, every Let me read this scripture out again. Let's get some faith in the room. The future glory of His temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heavens of armies. What I love about this song, and thanks Rach for singing it so powerfully, is revival starts in the heart of the people. It starts in my heart as the pastor. It starts in our hearts as leaders. It starts in our hearts as the congregation. I, I want to boldly declare, would revival start in our hearts, God? Father, we repent of anything we've done that's been um, offensive to You. Maybe we haven't taken care of the things You've called us to take care of. We're, we're full of faith for our future and we pray that You would restore that passion in our hearts for revival, for people to be saved, lives to be changed. God, would you use us? Well, why not? Why not little old Elevation Hills in the back of Q West with all these thinking cars that are broken down? It's kind of like us. We're all broken down. But God, we're not staying broken down. We're going to get fixed, right? We're going to get fixed in Jesus' name so we can be a benefit 
We desperately need the Spirit of God, church. There, there, there is this hum. There, there, there is something. I don't even know where I got the word hum. I don't even know if that's prophetic. There is a hum in the Spirit where God wants to pour His Spirit out. There are pockets of revival breaking out all over. Why, why not here? God, do it. Pour your Spirit out. Revival to come. Lives to be changed. We've been saved. How much more do we want to see others saved? Father, we've been forgiven. How much more do we want to see others forgiven? Oh, we humbly pray. Something stirred in my heart when we had that revival night or the encounter night, the INC thing the other Sunday night. It was just something jumped inside of me. God, bring revival. Bring revival. We just open our hearts. Everybody just raise your hands as a sign of surrender and a sign of desperation. God, right now, pour your spirit out. Pour revival out on every person, every heart. I pray we would lead with prudency, with wisdom, with, with grace, with humility. And most importantly, with your spirit being poured out, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, you, you, you may be seated. We're going to sing another song in a moment. Thanks, Rach, for leading us. Uh, I want to shift gears just for five minutes. And I want to talk to all of those in the room who sort of, um, uh, uh, the intelligent ones, the, the ones who love graphs and stats and data. Come on, who, who's the stats and the data and the graph and the Excel spreadsheets? And who, who's, I know we're Pentecostal, I'm all about faith, I believe in that. Uh, but I also want us to lead us well with, with good information and, and good governance. This will only take a few moments. And so in this series, we're unashamedly talking about building His church. And I want to make sure you understand that our church, we're completely transparent. Um, that, that this is your church, so you can be informed. At 12 o'clock today, we have our annual general meeting. Everyone's invited. This is where we share everything about our structure, our governance, our finances. There is nothing hidden. You can see those reports. They're available. They've, they've had a, um, been through all the, the end of year um, auditing. We had a separate third party auditor go through and approve and they're all available at 12 o'clock I'd love you to come but basically we'll talk about some things like our governance slide and and this is sort of the the structure that we're part of Bonnie and I sit in the middle but we have two boards one is the committee of management and that's local but we're under INC which is our denomination I'm not on that board I'm an employee I, I, I'm under their uh, authority their, their code their, their, their employment and so it's a very safe um, they're very strong very heavy governance. 50 years this movement's been going. You'll hear more about that. I don't have the time to unpack that, but we'll discuss staffing. We'll discuss governance in our AGM. I do want to show you how we're doing as a church on attendance. Last 17 months, um, we've had this nice steady increase. I like that. Just that healthy growth over these last uh, couple of uh, year and a half. This is our 23 in the blue attendance over our 22 attendance in the uh, orange, actually up 30% in attendance, which is quite significant. The reason I share this is people matter. 
People matter. It's about people. It's about people. It's about people because eternity matters. Um, And for those who are new to this whole legacy campaign that we do once a year, I want to share a little bit about how it works. On our website, we have two areas of giving. One is our tithes and offerings. That's our general giving. That goes to our operations of the church. About a third is wages. A third is building. We own this building, or INC does. And a third is ministries, kids, youth, young adults, pastoral care, creative. And so a third of those funds go to that area. Here's the graph of our tithes and offerings. Um, You can see that we're above our budget. Budget is orange and our actual is blue. That is outstanding. You need to give yourselves a, a real round of applause because... Um, inflation has gone up, costs have gone up, but we're above 6%. This is actually the health over the last four years. The blue is the highest we've been, maybe ever. Um, We didn't keep records prior to that, but um, just a healthy, good, solid growth um, in our church. Blue is 2023, so praise God. Uh, But we also, if we go back to our website, we have this thing called our legacy. So legacy giving is where we push the church forward with our dreams and our goals outside of our operations. If if you look at our graph on our legacy, we do this every year at July, uh, end of uh, June, we had 217,000 and so far we've received 184. Praise God, I get that things change. I get people change jobs and you're not under obligation with a legacy, with a pledge, you're, you're released. It's It just helps us engage our faith and allows us us to dream. I, I think that's an outstanding result. Praise God for all of you. Thank you for your generous giving. Let me share where that going. Half of that legacy every year we want to give away. So we want to be a church that's generous. We just don't want to hoard and hold it for ourselves, but we want to give half of our legacy to other missions. We, we want to give it to those in domestic violence and reach those First Nation communities with the gospel and our local schools. And uh, we, we, we want to pour into uh, those areas in our city and our nation and the world that we can support and, and benefit and give away. We want to be generous. But we also want to build our church. And so there's some areas where we uh, push back the building at the back there to make the auditorium bigger and increased our kids' rooms. So that's our spending. But the heart behind it is legacy is about expanding our church to reach more people for Jesus Christ out there in the community, but also upgrading our facility so more people can come. Uh, if you wonder if we need more, more chairs, we do. We just ordered another 50. Well, I, I text Rowan this morning, emailed Rowan. He's going to order another 50. Uh, we've got to make more room. More people are coming. And as we have these combined services and baptism and revival nights, we've got to position ourselves. And so in on the 25th of June is Legacy Sunday. That's where we come and there's a, a card, a legacy card um, that you can take home and pray and seek God. What can you give over and above uh, your normal giving to help us push our church forward? I'll finish with this verse and the band's going to come and we're going to sing this. I think it's my, one of my favourite songs about uh, building his church. But let me read this scripture. As I 12.4. And on that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Call on His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Make them remember that His name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song. That's what we're going to do. 
for he has done glory. We praise God for the things he's done and he's doing. Let this be known throughout the earth. Rejoice and shout for joy, you inhabitants of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. We, we honour you in this place. This is your church and you're growing it. We, we, we thank God for what you're doing and we're just bold enough to ask God, would you continue to pour your spirit out to reach more people? I want us to stand and we're going to declare this song. It's more of an anthem uh, than it is a worship song. It's more of a conviction um, that, that together um, we're going to build His church. It's not my church, it's His church. It's, it's God's church. And, um, you know, I feel very honoured to, to lead this church. I don't know how long, I hope for a long time, but that's God's decision and, 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 and INC's. But I just want us to say it's bigger than me or, or, or Elevation or INC. This is, this is God's church. This is His bride. And I know she's been through a battle. She's gone through a war. But she'll come out stronger and better because, God, you're leading us. God, we serve you. We follow you, God. We don't follow man. And we're just bold enough and naive enough to believe that the revival that you started in Acts 2 can happen again. In Jesus' name.